quiet out there. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Yeah, that's a... up here. All right. So welcome, Penstrike Church. Um, usually this time, uh, we don't pass baskets around to take offering here at Penstrike, but we do have uh, boxes on the walls where we take our tithes. But often what we do here is... Uh, uh, share a little something, uh, usually something to sort of ruminate and think about how God blesses us, um, how it is that God um, works in terms of um, we give back to the church, right? But it's not just about um, plunking money in a box, right? It's about sort of sowing into what God's doing in the spirit realm. Um, so just kind of thinking about this this morning, uh, I'd like to kind of, I'll start by reading a story for us. It'll be familiar. It's from John 2. It's uh, short. On the third day, uh, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to this wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, Well, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, um, what, does that, what does your concern have to do with me? Uh, my hour hasn't come yet. Uh, but his mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, surely do it. Uh, so now there were, set, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons of water apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And so they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made into wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have gotten well drunk, then they said, then he sets out the inferior. Uh, but you have kept the good wine until now. Um, and this, of course, was the beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him then. So now, we all know this story fairly well, I think. Um, it's one of those, uh, the more fun stories about Jesus, right? There's something kind of humorous about it a little bit. He turns the water into wine. And maybe uh, something a little bit unusual about this first miracle, too, though. Uh, it stands out since the grand majority of his miracles are, are healings or seem to have some maybe obvious purpose attached to them. Um, but here, Jesus sort of just seems like he's making up drinks for a bunch of tipsy party guests, right? Um, it's kind of odd. And what's even stranger here, I think, is, is probably the method in which he chooses to go about this miracle. Um, biblical scholars note about this story um, that the way Mary um, has some sort of amount of authority, she comes up, she's able to tell the servants what to do, um, it sort of indicates to us that, Ma that, these, that Mary was probably related to whoever these people were, that these were probably close relatives, um, that Mary had probably some responsibility here. And therefore, Jesus was sort of being dictated a, a duty. He was supposed to go out and get this wine. Uh, the expectation was probably... Uh, and, of course, Jesus is the eldest son, so it was probably his duty to go out and procure a little more wine. Uh, the expectation probably being that he would probably just go out and purchase with some money, maybe, um, a large quantity of the cheap wine. Maybe he was supposed to tell the servants to go out and get, get it or something like that. Um, and the master, of course, the master of the ceremonies later declares that, um, oh, yeah, it was supposed to be cheap, but now you brought out the best wine, right? So Jesus wasn't forced into this miracle he gives us here, but he does something uh, very deliberate, I believe. Um, and worth our time ruminating over. Uh, the most notable detail here is, of course, that he uses those large stone jars reserved for ritual purification, it tells us. 
And of course, there's lots of uh, language in the New Testament that makes wine a metaphor for God's spirit, his salvation, and of course, we hear the echo of his communion cup there, um, which we'll be taking today. And I certainly, certainly think that's part of it. Um, but I also think there's a step further to take with this story. Um, I've heard recently from someone uh, familiar with Jewish customs um, that these purification jars were, no, uh, were not ordinary, uh, just purification jars lying around for the sake of it, um, or even necessarily communal washing jars of some kind. Um, but they, instead, they were specifically set aside for the bride in particular, who is expected to go, expected to go through a daily washing process over the course of the wedding feast, which, of course, we know would last many days. Um, thus, they had to be very large. Uh, so you can just imagine these large jars with so much significance, probably ornate, most likely heirlooms are made of stone. They're not just um, something for wear and tear. They're there for something very special and very sacred. Um, so they probably were um, very old, I'm guessing, too, and used at probably countless weddings for this one purpose. And here comes Jesus, and he causes them to be filled with the best wine, which I'm guessing in the eyes of the Jews at the time probably made them unusable for their original purpose, although they were used for some, here for something to a greater purpose, perhaps. Um, so here's my point this morning. I hope that we can all admit to the utter goodness of our God, that his provision goes beyond just supplying what is expected, um, but uh, that, he only pro- that he also provides the best of the best. Um, but further, I think this story illustrates uh, maybe the other side of the coin, that the best gifts, the best blessing comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. And there's no other source. And the satisfaction he provides, um, instead, of, uh, instead, I think, comes at the cost of our seemingly firm hold on the methods and systems um, that we often believe God is constrained to operate in. Um, the statement Jesus makes here is um, that his, his kind of abundance arrives where it is unexpected, changing mankind from the inside in a fundamental way that is comparable to the change from water to wine, from water to the very best wine. Um, and that's the very best wine inside of us, right? Because we are like those jars. So I ask us this morning, have we let Jesus fulfill his salvation within us? Have we allowed him to take the tepid religious water that's each and every one of us that's come down to us through hundreds of years of churchiness uh, and maybe turn it into a living spiritual wine, something new? Have we relinquished our expectations and said, Jesus, I know that you have the best of the best for me. There is none better and I want nothing else because nothing else compares to him. So Father, I ask this morning, as we're taking that communion cup, that we won't just do it out of Oh, this is what I did every Sunday growing up. This is what, I, this is what we do. But we were, are reminded of what you did on that cross, that you, what your blood represents uh, isn't just some sort of doctrine or theology, but it represents something living inside of us right now. You, the real Jesus, changing us today. Um, we ask that we would commune with you, really commune when we take this communion. In your name, Jesus, amen. I have something else to say. Um, next week, uh, so this, this week will be the last week. I believe this is the announcement I'm supposed to give. This is the last week that we're having uh, a 9 o'clock service. So next week it will be at 10 o'clock an hour later. So it will be a little bit like, uh, yay. 
Be like, uh, daylight savings, come early. Can start the week good. Uh, oh, and I'm remembering one other thing. Um, there was a few, few mix-ups this week about the, the meal, whether we're going to have it or not. So uh, I need to tell you we're not going to have the meal this week. Um, sorry, bummer, but we can. Uh, still fellowship after the service. You're welcome to stay around. I think there'll be coffee. I don't know if there'll be cookies left or not, but welcome to stay in fellowship. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's take a moment and humble ourselves before the Word of God and open our hearts to receive what His Spirit would speak to us individually and collectively. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for your eternal Word. Thank you that it's set, ever changes. It fits to every generation. It fits into every heart. We open wide our hearts to you. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. And so... Lennis is going to help me today. I'm going to read some scriptures. Let's just open our heart to the Word of God. Colossians 1, 25 through 29. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit, so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifest to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that me, we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And so we just want to talk about a mystery today. This mystery was hidden, as it says here, for in past ages and generations, but now God has chosen, he has willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery. <clears throat> and it's that we, as believers in Christ, we would have the privilege of having Christ in us the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Isn't that a powerful revelation? And so the next uh, couple times in August, I'm scheduled to share, I just want to explore this statement, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What happens, what is the dynamic that takes place within our own awareness of God? He's in there, he's living, he's dynamic, powerful, transforming, revealing, taking us on and more and more understanding of who he is. Hallelujah. And so let's begin kind of at the 
beginning. And God prepared a place for the fullness of his presence, his glory to abide. And so when Jesus came into the world, when the word became flesh and dwelt among us, listen to this statement in Hebrews 10 of what he cried out as he came into the world. Hebrews 10 and verse 5. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. God prepared a perfect, spotless temple for him to abide in, in the body of Jesus. God prepared a perfect, spotless temple for him to abide in within the body of Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And and the Father as well came and lived in the Son while he walked the earth in a physical body. And Jesus would constantly testify of this. The Father within me is doing his work. I and my Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so God came and made his home in the person of Jesus Christ and walked in communion with him, in union with him. And even as he went to the cross, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. The Father is all in for us. He came in the person of Jesus. He came and walked in Jesus Christ, revealing his heart to us. In Colossians 2 and verse 9. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Can we just read that one together? For in him all the the fullness fullness of of deity deity dwells in bodily form. And in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Verse 10. And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. Let's just read the Amplified there in verse 10. And you are in him made full, and having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. And so the Father came and dwelt in Jesus. The fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him in bodily form. And now in him we have the same privilege to walk in that fullness. Isn't that an amazing thought? This is a mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not who I am in myself, my own emotions, my own mind, my own history. It's by faith in Jesus Christ, my spirit bursts into life and God himself moves in as I make Jesus Christ 
Lord. The Father himself goes in. He wants to be with you. He wants to walk in you and with you. He wants to go through life with you. Lord, change our heart set. Change our thinking. You are so near to us. I remember back in the 80s, if you would hear investment, people talking about investments, and back then, I don't know what it is now, but back then, a big push was invest in real estate. Buy real estate. It's going to go up. And almost every one of the investment people that I, I had heard, you know, I wasn't really doing that, but I heard them here and there. <clears throat> and so there are three things, there's key, three key things that you need to be aware of in finding prime property. First one was location. <laughs> Remember that? The second one was location. <laughs> the third one was location. Remember hearing that? <laughs> well, God has that same viewpoint. He's looking for prime real estate where he can build his house, where he can establish his kingdom. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He comes and he dwells and he, and he lives within us. And when you have been cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus, when you've been washed and your sins and your past have been taken away, in God's sight you are righteous forever. And so God finds a perfect location for his home. Perfectly fit to house the presence of his glory. Amazing thing, in John 17, Jesus was looking ahead. He's, this is a prayer he prayed just before he went to the cross. And so great passion these are the last things that he was going to pray almost on the earth. And he was praying for his believers. He was praying for his people. And listen to what he prayed in John 17, 23. I in them and you in me in order that they may become one and perfectly united that the world may know and definitely recognize that you sent me and that you have loved them even as you have loved me. I and them, you and me. I and them, Jesus prayed to the Father. And then you and me, the fullness of the Godhead invading our life. And then he says that the natural result of this transformed heart is that we would have perfect unity. That we would be perfectly united. This is a natural result of God living in us. When we step outside of that, we're stepping outside of the perfect place that God has provided for us to live in. We pray a lot, Lord, give us unity. Well, he's already done that. 
He's, he's, we're birthed into unity. I and them and you and me. We have to walk in the flesh to get outside of it. We have to take up our own offense. We have to take up our own ideas. But when we come to Jesus, we are birthed into perfect unity. By this we know that we pass from death to life because we love the brethren. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit living within us testifies to us of the great love that we have for each other? He makes us servants of one another. We're serving for the other person's good. We're laying down our life that others may be built up. When God chose to make his home in you, he made a great find and a great choice. We don't look at somebody else and say, well, I wish I was more like him or her. I wish I had that kind of life. God says, I choose you because you've chosen Jesus. And he comes in and he makes us fully who he intends us to be by his power and his grace. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. Amen. God found a great location when he found your heart that had been washed and cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And it has been made perfect forever through your faith in the Son. I just want to take a little bit of time and read through a number of scriptures that talk about the power of the blood that has cleansed us and what God has done within us to make us a house for his presence that's worthy of himself. Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Amen. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. By one offering, this isn't how hard I can work at it. My spirit has been perfected through the blood of Jesus. I am being made holy. My life in, in this world and my life in the other realms outside my spirit are coming, being made, are transformed more into union with his kingdom. But in my heart, he has perfected me forever. He has perfected you forever because you believed in Jesus. And the power of that blood has brought transformation into your heart. A couple chapters ahead in Hebrews 12, 22 and 23. But rather, you have come to Mount Zion, even to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless multitudes of angels in festal gathering and to the church assembly of the firstborn who are registered as citizens in heaven, and to the God who is judge of all 
and to the spirits of the righteous, the redeemed in heaven, who have been made perfect. Wow. We've come in holy array, in holy union, to the righteous that are seated with Jesus in the heavenly places, and we're all made perfect. What kind of expressions of prayer should there be among us if we've all been made perfect? What kind of worship should we experience because we've all been made perfect in our heart? And so when we can just find that ability and find that key to surrender to the voice of our spirit and worship God, Paul says, I will worship in spirit, I will worship with my mind. But when we worship in the spirit, a perfection is released. What a sound can be heard. Right here, right, right here among us, we can hear a sound of heaven as we join together. I remember reading about the Azusa Street Revival, and it, it started in California. It swept across the nation. And it came, I believe it was Kansas City, it came across and, you know, all the business offices in many cities were closed down at noon so the people could go to prayer. I mean, it was a real sweep of the Spirit. And they were having meetings in <clears throat> Kansas City. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came upon the congregation. And they all, in unison, began to sing in the Spirit or sing in tongues. And they sang that way for quite a while. And it was just a glorious awareness of the presence of God as they lifted up their voices. There were two nuns there in that meeting. And afterwards they stated that they had been working on an Italian worship music. Probably kind of an ancient thing. But he said they gave it up because it was too difficult. And here this whole congregation sang it perfectly. And nobody knew the language even. It was an expression of God. It was a demonstration of his goodness. We can worship in spirit. He can take us from glory to glory to glory. We will all leave lifted up, blessed, and in love with each other. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Verse 18 now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And Paul is talking about how he sees his world here. And he says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. We look around today, look at all the new creations we have. See it around us. If anyone is in Christ, this is who I am, but this is who you are. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come, and all these things are from God. 
Amen. Second Corinthians 5.21. A couple more verses here. Second Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That is the power of the sacrifice, the power of the blood. We have become the righteousness of God in him. And I'm just going to read Hebrews 4.16 here. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help, and when well-timed help, coming just when we need it. The Message Bible, so let's walk right up to him and get what he is ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. That's our approach to the blood of Jesus. Confidently, fearlessly, boldly, reverently, with worship and thanksgiving. But we know what he has offered is so perfect that I can approach through that blood and we can find help in our time of need. The Message Bible in 1 Peter 1.18 It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. <laughs> I had to read that one, too. <laughs> Amen. He paid with, with Christ's blood. He died like an unblemished, sacrificial lamb. And this was no afterthought, even though it has only lately, at the end of the age, become public knowledge. God always knew he was going to do this for you. It's because of this sacrifice Messiah, whom God then raised up from the dead and glorified, that you trust in God, that you know and have a future in God. Now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if your lives depended upon it. Amen. And let me just read a little bit of a quote. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but let me just read a little bit of a quote that John Lake gave concerning the consciousness that comes into our heart, into our life, because we believe in Jesus. Listen to what he says. It comes breathing and throbbing and burning right out of the heart of the glorified Son of God right into our nature. Is that your experience today? Because you believed in Jesus? Because you surrendered to him? It's a living, dynamic reality. Oh, and pushing us forward, causing us to love each other, causing us to worship and have prayers that are dynamic. And he closes this section by, by saying, Christianity did not go into the world apologizing. It went to slay the powers of darkness. 
and undo the works of the devil as it lived in holy triumph. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's just say that again. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We just bow our heads for a moment. We've been talking about the reality of Jesus Christ in our heart, our personal experience that takes place when we allow him to be Lord. We allowed him. We surrendered to his lordship completely. It's a dynamic experience. Is that something real in your life? God wants to come. He made every effort to to make your home a place of his habitation. If you'd like to say yes to Jesus this morning, can you just maybe lift up a hand and say, pray for me? If you'd like to say yes to Jesus today, it's going to take a moment, but it's just so simple. Just yes, I receive. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you have provided such a salvation for us. We stand in awe of your great love that sent Jesus. We honor him. We love him. We will serve him. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing within us, among us, for us, through us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. We want to prepare our hearts to receive communion, so can we have ushers come forward here? And so you're welcome to receive with us if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. All partake together, so just hold on to the emblems until we take this together. Amen. The night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. The prophet Isaiah prophesied that by his stripes, that wound and bruised him, we are healed and made whole. Not only physically, he provided for our physical healing, but he provided a way for you to be free from torment. If you're tormented in your emotions, if you're tormented in your heart, if you're tormented because of sorrow and loss and shame, Jesus Christ paid the price for you to be free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus Christ desires to bring total healing, freedom, release into your experience. Isn't that a great thing? He wants you to experience it, not just to hold it in a book and say, wow, I believe this. He wants you to actually experience the greatness of his salvation. He's right here to make it good today.
Amen. So let's just thank the Lord, each one of us. Just thank the Lord for the broken body. Thank you, Lord God, that your body was broken. That we might be whole. Thank you, Lord God. I thank you for the power of that broken body. I've had the privilege, Lord God, of seeing you reach out and bring instant healing to so many. It's all because of what you've done. It's all because of what you've done, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. God, God sent Jesus in the physical body to offer up his physical body for you. Amen. Hold this, wait a second. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Jesus literally suffered so that you could be whole. We honor him today. Thank you, Father, for your love in Jesus' name. The body of Jesus was broken for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Let's partake together. Hallelujah. I receive by faith today, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Now, Father, we thank you for the blood of your Son that you shed on that cross. And, Lord, we, we believe for cleansing of our sin, healing as well for our mind, our spirit, our soul. God, we just thank you for the blood today. Can we just say that together? We thank you for the blood, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood in Jesus' name. Partake together. Hallelujah. Let's just give a thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We rejoice in your love that sent Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. We will be here. If you would like prayer for anything today, God's goodness and grace is here. We can believe together for intervention in your life. Hallelujah. Love each other. <laughs> Blessings. <clears throat>